Hey guys, welcome out. It's another episode of a little bit strange podcast. I got my buddy Guy on here with us, or Guy Branch, if you know him professionally. Uh, one of the members of the great DJU crew. What's going on, man? Glad to see you. Glad you're doing well. Glad to be here, Glad to be here man. How you so, doing? This is uh, it's a little different, man. We just talk about some random stuff, like get your opinion on things varying from sports to some other fun stuff that we'll ask later on. But first, go ahead and tell everybody uh, where you're from, what you do. Yeah, so I'm uh, originally born in New Jersey, but I've been in Houston my whole life, basically Houstonian. Uh, I own an entertainment company with a business partner of mine. It's called DJU Entertainment. We do DJs, photo booths, um, you know, AV for corporate events, team building, all kind of things. Anything entertainment is basically our, our game. Oh, okay. So basically private event entertainment aspects. Yeah, for sure. Nice. Now, I I know you from before those days. I know you back when you used to play with a band called the Mock Memory Game Burrs. We'll yep. go ahead and blur that ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> the Birds. The Mock Memory Game Birds. What made you change from playing in bands to doing kind of the corporate thing? Yeah, man. So, um, gosh, to go back a little bit. So I started right out of high school, basically. Um, I was teaching guitar and drums at a music shop. And the owner of the music shop was like, hey, uh, let's go ahead and, you know, they wanted me to join this band. It's like, why don't you try this out? And I think I started playing drums with him first. So he was just, this is a band called Night Shift uh, with a couple of buddies of mine and, and the owner of the, the night shift. <laughs> basically man it was a night shift gig and of course i was i graduated at 17 and i was playing in a bar probably no less than a year later you know i'm playing in bars already you know just to get started musically in that world and uh it was great while i was in college you know it was good side money it's working every weekend fun different kind of thing every night were you going to college for music or were you there for something else um, I started towards music and then I ended up switching um, towards uh, consumer science, which is like a, it's a, a well-rounded, uh, basically business degree. So it's not through our degree. business. Bullshit degree. It's all right. We got you. No, no, okay. fuck that. I get that degree every day of my life. <laughs> it was awesome. I got a bachelor <laughs> degree in basket weaving. Fuck off. No, no, it's consumer science and retailing. So nice. it's, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's always good to be. I mean, we're seeing nowadays, especially, it's always good to have a job that every everybody kind of needs. Yeah, like yeah. Being essential. Yeah. This is cool. Essential. I can do air quotes, and it goes through. Yeah. No, dude. It's, it's essential. Being essential today is everything. But no, so, so yeah, dude. That's how no. I started. I played, and then I, I got so into it from that. you for fun as a kid and didn't pick it up till you were in your late teens? Yeah, I mean, I played in bands when I was in high school, you know, nothing serious, just having fun musically. Um, I've always been in choir and stuff my whole life. I love, always loved music so much, and it's a big part of my life. But uh, at some point, I went, what I actually did, I graduated from University of Houston, then I went and got a degree from Media Tech and Audio Engineering. And that was kind of the beginning of a shift, because I was like, man, I don't want to play in bands forever. Like, it's hard work. You don't want to get home at 5 a.m., after a bar gig constantly forever like it's fun for a while and then you got to find the next thing and uh um, the get tiring oh man dude i knew i knew i wanted to do something with my degree and it was this long balance of trying to still do music and find something and then i went to get a second degree it was a whole shit show of trying to figure out where and what and then <laughs> randomly enough 
I still did, uh, I started DJing in college as well. And uh, are we doing the whole spiel? Do you want the whole spiel of how I got to work? Hey, man, it, it, it's, it's up to you. I'm just kind of letting you run with the story, homie. Like, uh, I, right. I ask the questions, you give the answers. That's, that's kind of right. how it works. All right. I'm like, I don't want to drag on too long. Oh, with no, this, trust but... me. I'll tell you, shut up. <laughs> All right. So, so basically, yeah. So uh, while I'm in my second degree in music school, I'm, I'm also starting to pick up DJing. And uh, it's a great side gig. Same kind of thing. You're working weekends. DJing pays much more than the band, the you know, bar band gig. So that was one thing I loved. Right. And the benefits were <laughs> way better food. This was going to say the perks are way better in that role. And I get home at, you know, 11 p.m. or something every night. So it's, it's just right. a better thing. And uh, one of the owners of the DJ company, he was like, hey, man, do you ever want to consider like selling DJs and selling our lighting and stuff? And I was like, yeah. So came into the office kind of hit it off really well and then i brought in phil who's my now business partner i brought him into the company because uh, i knew him i knew he'd be a great dj and eventually he came in, into the company and you know event design took over i was like i love designing events i love going into a hotel and saying like you can do this for your lighting and this you know have your dj here and here's how we're gonna do the party kind of thing i love that so that got me going in that world and then um i decided to I think so. I'm, I'm remembering it correctly now, as if I like drank through this whole time or something. But <laughs> so I went. Uh, I started in. I was still in U of H when I started DJing, and then I left my job to get my second degree in music because I was like, let's do a full dive on music, you know. And and I went. And now I, I still work at a music studio from that, so it was great years ago, and, and that's been a great step. But I realized. This is going to be a long, slow burn in the music industry. It takes forever to pop or to either, get to a great. Out or you don't find it. Right. Or it's a long grind of low level. So, you know, I just realized let's let's make it work here. And sure enough, one day, uh, Phil called me. and He's like, hey, man, uh, I had known that he had purchased the DJ portion of the company from the previous owner. And I knew he had a business partner he was working with. And he was like, hey, do you want to come do a gig with me in Dallas? And I was like, sure, let's go. So we go up to Dallas and we're driving home after the gig. And it was a fun time. And he's like, hey, you know, my the, Phil's business partner wanted to get out. He's like, he wants to sell his shares. And I just got so excited. I was like, that's that's it. And that's yeah, how that's I got perfect. That, that so, sums it all up. Well, that's cool, yeah. man. That, that shows that you're still dedicated to what you initially want as far as being involved in music, obviously. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, there's so many different aspects of music nowadays that it, hard to narrow it down you can be involved in music and never be on stage yeah at all no 100 percent, dude 100 percent. so let me ask you this um like who were your big musical influences then like growing up who did you kind of pattern yourself musically after yeah um in my original days was heavier stuff so bands like the used under oath you know uh they'd call them like screamo or pop punk bands back in those times oh, so that's kind of I mean, not punk. Punk is the wrong thing. I never was punk, but they called it pop punk, which was like a softer version of, I guess. I don't know. But that, and then I started getting into metal and, you know, I always loved hip hop and all that kind of stuff. My big influences came um, probably starting with the Radiohead. It was like the biggest, like, oh, music can be like this. So my huge, like, number one influences are like Radiohead, David Bowie, The Beatles, um, Khaki People King. Like, push the boundaries on certain aspects. 100%. It kind of opened up because as a musician, I really saw myself being attracted to like music that was more, you know, not your standard radio stuff, but more intense, more in depth musically, you know. So that kind of got me going. And Bowie, of course. 
Nice. So, so there again, it just shows that you are obviously well, not only well versed in music, but you're very devoted in learning the craft as well. For sure. Most definitely. So Most definitely. now, where do you see music going nowadays? I mean, anymore, it seems like anyone with a cell phone can make a catchy loop or create a song or anything like that. Where do you yeah. see music going in the next few years? Yeah, man. So I think music is following our social media. Music is following our our trend as a society and our, our attention as a society. So just like you notice, we're switched over to things like Vine and TikTok that are short clips of a little like, give me a little bit of fun and then keep it moving. What's the next what thing? I feel like they have uh, memory measured in nanoseconds. Right. It's exactly. true. It's very true. I believe it. But that's exactly it. I think music is going there because a lot of artists now, like uh, Little Nas X, I heard Old Town Road and I was like, okay, like that's just a random cheesy pop song. I went to check out his music. Of course, this guy is doing like rock stuff and his stuff, which blew my mind. But all of the songs were like two minutes long. And that's in my world, I'm never used to singing that. Even in the DJ roles, you know, most of the songs we play from today, three and a half minutes, you know, plus. So all of a sudden, his whole album is one minute, 48 second song. And I'm like, what's this? So I've seen this trend recently where artists are really doing short songs. And even me now, when I write stuff, I'm keeping that in mind that like people don't need to hear the verse and chorus three times over now. So like music right. is shifting in a faster, something that's just kind of more like okay. quick. And, you know, kind of like, give me, give me a verse, give me a chorus, give me a verse, song done. Right. You know, like let's not overdo it. Now, kind do of thing. you think that is just because people's attention span has gotten shorter or it's because they crave the instant information of getting whatever they want i think it's probably based from that first they're needing the info and then maybe once you start being accustomed to getting that info so quickly you start wanting it attention span shortens maybe it's something that's kind of based off of i want it now give it to me and then eventually you get to that greedy you know attention thing so yeah <laughs> okay so like we said you you were uh, i met you when you were in a band and yeah. I saw you do all kinds of different songs from R&B, country, to hip-hop, to rock music, classic, and modern. Like, I saw you do everything. It was always impressive that you had that big of a range as far as what you could really get away with. Mm. And it was funny to see your big, tall butt playing away on keyboards, and I'm like, holy right. crap, he's really good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> uh, so what was, like, your favorite song to perform live? Man, that's a good one. Gosh, favorite song to perform like if you're live. You're just having a shit day. You're up on stage, kind of barely going at it. You're like, all yeah. right, this one's coming up in the second set. Let's. This one kind of gets me energized and pumped. Like, what would yeah. you go to as far as like, man, I can nail this every time. I and it hypes you up when you play it. Man, it would be probably a tie between something that was like uh Uptown Funk, which every time we play it, like, you just have to be hype. And don't get me wrong, overplayed. Don't ever want to play it. I played it so much. But that was that song. Because when it comes on, you have to get hype. You have to get in that mode. Right. And it's, it's like everyone announcing a picture at karaoke. You have to act like you want to hear it. But in actuality, it makes <laughs> you want to stab puppets in your brain. Exactly. <laughs> but you get excited because you have to get the crowd going. And their energy gets you going. So Uptown or... For sure, what I love to do, um, which our band, when we really started doing hip-hop, got me going, was Hypnotize. We play Hypnotize with Biggie. We play that more towards the end um, of my time with that band. And it was just like, man, that one went off. And that was like, because I, I like to, I love to rap. I love rap. So 
and Biggie's my favorite rapper, so that just worked out in such a way that was like perfect for me. So nice, nice. Now, um, so like, how big of a crowd did you generally pay for? Like, what was the biggest crowd you ever played for in your band? In in my life or in Mockingbird or Um No, um, just in general, like total. Um, so total would probably be when our band got to play at Warp Tour, which was an experience. That was uh, the, I used to play in an original band, and I don't know if you've heard of Warp Tour, but it's it used to come around every year. I think they just did the last one last year, but it used to come around every year, and it was all the local kind of not local but national, uh, you know, heavier pop punk bands, bands like uh, what, fifteen hundred people or. Something like that, probably, because um, it was a stadium and it's moving people. We didn't have that many people in front of our stage. Maybe, you know, a thousand people in the general area, right in front of our stage, a couple hundred. It's a big ad. This was at, uh, this was at one of like Reliant or something like that, now, the year that we played. And okay, so aside from like festivals where there's obviously a bunch of different bands, what's the biggest, like, I guess, how big was the crowd when you had that? moment where you're like oh man wow there's a lot of people here and it was all for y'all like it was nobody else it was y'all man that would have to be my original band for sure uh having scars that would have to be in that band and it would probably either be it probably we went to san antonio so we played a show in san antonio um and that's when my mind got blown because like for me i just always love freaking playing on stage like i just love that energy like the being on stage thing just gets me going but we went up there and we're used to, you're, when you're in a original band you're used to walking into a place and there's three people in the room and you have to play like it's a packed house like you can go hard because you're just right. you know you're you're learning how to be a band at that point but we went to san antonio we weren't big or anything we weren't like well known at all but we went to san antonio and played and there's you know maybe a room full of 100 people or so like that and they all were there to see us. They knew our songs. They were singing the words back to me as I was singing it. And that experience was like nothing I've ever felt in my life. Before. That oh, was I like, that was a pretty cool thrill. Oh my God. I mean, you know, so as, as a band for us to come watch us, probably like a hundred at most. And that's probably way over judging it <laughs> with, with the Mockingbirds or with the DJ gigs, you know, you'll play in front of however big the event is that day. But yeah. Nice, nice. So now I know throughout your band work, um, one of the things that you did that I thought was actually kind of cool was you got to play on a cruise. <laughs> now, I wish I could give you stories. I wish I could give you some stories, but some of the stories involve people and it'd be, people could find out what I'm talking about. So I won't say some of the stories, but yes, that was fair enough. That was, like, that well, was an, I mean, was it an interesting trip? Like, what was oh, it like working on a cruise? Did you have to work three, four, five times a day, just once a day? once a week right it was uh the whole cruise was seven days and i think we played three or four of the seven days i believe it was three but it might have been four days probably four days because there was but what it was was a back to 80s tour so normally on a cruise ship those bands have to play like 10 times a day they're hired by the ship this was all these bands were hired by a separate company so wow. this company bought you know they hire all these bands from around the world that ended up being from england and somehow they found our band and they flew us out they wouldn't pay us more because we were for the furthest away they're like no we're gonna pay you the same which basically meant after flights and everything we we got nothing but it was a free experience yeah it's a free but cruise i mean come on 
So we no one was complaining at all. We were all excited. But some of our bandmates couldn't go. So it was a weird thing. I had to play drums on the screws, which blew my mind. I hadn't played drums in freaking years. And I had to play <laughs> and drums. You're I couldn't... While you're on a cruise bouncing up and down on the water. Dude, I thought I thought I had vertigo or I thought I had uh whatever seasickness while I was playing because the, the, the waters are so choppy and I kept feeling like I was about to puke because I was moving so much I didn't even realize it. And I, I found like eventually I calmed down and realized it was just the rocking of the boat that was causing me to feel that way. But right. Anyways. So where was the cruise at? It wasn't like a Caribbean island cruise, or was it like? No, no. So we had to fly to England to Southampton, where the that's where it left out of, and then it went to Spain and, and Portugal, and then uh, back to England. So that was the that was the cruise. So on your downtime from playing, like you said, you were there for a week and you played about what three four times. Three or four times, and they had like uh, you know, the band Spando Ballet. This much is true. Yeah. So yeah, um, <laughs> everyone knows that. That's the, that's the song. Apparently. So they were playing on the on the cruise. They had a few uh, big '80s bands. They were supposed to have like ten, but it ended up getting knocked down to like five. But um, they had that guy from that band, so they played that song and all of their hits. Then uh, ABC, oh, who I didn't really. Know. Yeah, right. Literally, only only know that one. Belinda Carlisle, I think, was there. So there was a few '80s, you know, a few like '80s names who were there. Right. And right. <laughs> so in my downtime, I'd watch those bands, and then of course, just go ham and crazy, dude. Because I'm the first off, I was one of probably like five black people on the boat, so everyone can <laughs> see you. And never Secondly, the fact that like you are a tall person. Are you kidding me? So literally after like day two, everyone was talking to me as if they had known me like, hey guy, because at, when you play, you're saying the band, we're saying our band name, like our member names, everyone as we're on stage. And as I'm walking on the fucking ship, people are like, hey guy, like, how do they even know me that? And I'm playing drums. I'm not standing up and shit. Like I'm hitting them in the back, but because I'm the only fucking seven fucking foot dude there. They're like, you're the only seven foot dude and one of the five black guys on this entire cruise. Yes. So, oh hell, that was you. Probably became like everybody's beacon for directions. Like, okay, right. you see a tall black guy, go down yeah. there, take a left. Yeah. But everyone was so awesome, man. I, I made a lot of friends. Um, friends who I still hang out. I went to go hang out with some of them not too long ago when they were in America. So it's great that that whole experience happened. So yeah, it was it was ridiculous, man. That was a trip for sure. I was shocked to say the least. Now, while you're on stage, I'm sure you've seen some crazy stuff happen just like out in the crowds or like when you're working an event or something like that. What's probably the funniest thing that's ever happened while you've been doing an entertainment job? Man, the funniest thing that's ever happened. The funniest thing, a few things in mind. What's the funniest freaking thing? So I'm thinking of times where like I've seen a groom run in to do his like first dance and he slipped because he tried to like run into the room and do like a huge like, hey, here's me, and just bust his ass in front of the entire wedding. That was amazing. But it was the groom, so everyone laughed it off, you know, it wasn't too yeah, bad. Blame it on the alcohol. <laughs> yeah, literally. I'm sure he was wasted. Um, trying to think of the funniest moments. Or like a moment that just kind of really stuck out for you. That like, wow, this is either a cool moment that I'm part of or holy crap, that woman just shit down both legs. <laughs> um unfortunately no no shit has happened at a wedding that i could be like holy shit they crap their pants um but you know i've had just ridiculously amazing moments in terms of like there'll be a, a moment that's created where the bride and groom have spent like literally hours and hours learning some special dance and they'll do this choreographed dance for like holy shit 
then of course they have the lighting set to stream and perfectly spotlight them. So we've done things like that that are like, oh my God, that's amazing. But now that I think about the coolest thing I've done, my highlight of all this was I got to uh, set up an event. This was in a backyard in someone's house and Alanis Morissette came and played and I got to help run sound and and be there. Yeah, and I'm talking about 15 people probably for to watch the whole thing. And one of your punk pop idol kicks, I'm sure. Oh my God, Alanis Morissette! If you if you were, you were if you grew up in the, weren't you? dude, oh my God, oh my God, we weren't allowed to like, we weren't supposed to record, but I was like, fuck that, I recorded like recorded. four or five of the songs. So would you like, say that was probably your best event that you've ever done? Like the one where it stood out, where it's like, ah, oh, wow, I did something pretty cool. Or have you been part of like private parties that just went off the charts and would be oh, stuff of legend in the bar scene? So that's probably the highlight. I remember I didn't go to this event, but I remember we had an event at our company. This is when I first got to the company and they showed me a picture from the photo booth after. And this was like, I always wanted this animal house type of party, but I never got to experience it. But they came back the next day after the weekend. And they're like, dude, look at these pictures. Everyone in the party was completely naked. They were, they had a cop there to watch over everything, but apparently they were doing all kinds of drugs. And I'm not saying I would be there for that kind of party, but the fact that this was happening for like a party that you're DJing, you know, it's a wild ass, crazy, fun right. things you've never seen before well, kind of event. The, if the DJ is the sober one in the group, there right. is an issue. <laughs> I mean, it's going down. So apparently, and I saw the photos in the booth and it was insane. I mean, naked people, every photo was like a naked puddle of people just like taking a photo. And I'm like, what happened? Because you would never imagine a house party to get that crazy, but they hired us out, you know, sure enough. Grandma spiked the fruit punch again. Yeah, and things got a little wild. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, man. So, like, do you, do you enjoy doing the events now? Like you said, you, you enjoy designing the events. So is that kind of like, uh, uh, like, I don't know how to really explain it to the normal people. I know what you're talking about when you say that, but mm. what's the most extravagant kind of event that you've gotten to design so far? My own personal that I created most extravagant. So far that you're most proud of one that you created, yeah. you designed, you implemented. Yeah. If I were to say like, Hey, look at what I did. Um, right. Trying to grab the best trying to grab the best here. I think one of my top ones here is my business partner calling me right there for the people who, who know who he is. Um, my best event that I've probably ever done. That was mine. I'm trying to think of one that's awesome. That's like, I really had every aspect of covered. So I did one. I won't say the company name, obviously, but I did one that was uh, probably my biggest like sale overall. Um, it had aspects that were 80% our company, but a lot of them I had to hire out. So it ended up being like this huge production of me bringing in all kinds of stuff. But at the end of it, we've got people walking around on stilts. We had um, indoor, we had, uh, indoor con- sparklers, confetti, sparkler, sparkler, indoor things, cold sparks. We had those. Um, we had sparklers. Confetti sparklers, cold sparklers. Paper fire. Paper fire. No, uh, not confetti sparklers, but cold sparklers. We had uh, confetti cannons. We, it was just a full-on production event, now, which we do. Was this for a wedding or like a, a corporate? Corporate event. This was a Christmas party that was just oh, off the okay, track. okay. We had all our photo booths were there. 
uh, two DJs there in one room, which is weird, but they wanted two DJs just to go back and forth for a look thing. But um, we actually had, who do we have on that? I think me and Phil might have done that or me and someone did that. But anyways, um, it was just huge. It was lighting out the wazoo. Most people aren't gonna know what up lighting is, but it's basically lighting that goes around the wall, but it adds a glow to a room. And if you have a huge event in this huge space with all these up lights, you have moving headlights that are timed out. I mean, that was pretty epic. I'm, I'm always remember reminded every time I used to do the events where we had a whole bunch of lighting, I was always reminded and it always crept up into my brain of that old 12 panes of Christmas song where the guy's talking about the Christmas lights where it's like one goes out, they all go out. Yeah. nowadays it's easy with the wireless and infrared and if you know yeah. what you're doing with all that yeah it's easy but back in the days of the wires oh man you have no idea how many times i wanted to punt up lighting out a window just because <laughs> it's like one goes out and then seven start blinking yeah you don't know which one started the blinking right this right go out oh my god times, yeah the man. nightmare complete nightmare dude Nowadays, it's it's a little easier, but a lot easier, but yeah. Well, I mean, also, when you're doing production and everything, a lot of people don't understand the human aspect that goes into it as well, uh, especially mm -hmm. in big events like that. You have to coordinate, hey, these people need to be here at this point doing this job, and so yeah. on and so forth. Yeah. Which, I mean, go check them out, man. DJU, they definitely have the reputation of being being the premier in doing that. So. Yeah, we try. We try our best. Okay, guys, we're going to take a quick little break. We'll be back in just a minute. We're going to do some sponsor work. We'll come back after you here in a few minutes. Hey, guys, welcome back. It's round number two of the Little Bit Strange podcast. We've got my buddy Guy here. It's time to get weird and wild. This is where we talk about all kinds of random stuff. Obviously, you've never been on the show before. You're episode number four. So the second half, we just talk about all kinds of random things, just different topics that I'm like, oh, well, maybe he'll have a good input on this or... I would like to hear what his opinions are on this subject. Okay. Cool. So first off, you did say that you were uh, born in Jersey, but you've lived in Houston. How long? Um, since I was maybe five, four or five. Okay. So a so, good vast majority of your life. For sure. Okay. Are you Houston sports fan? All day. Houston all day. Sports Across fan, the all board, H-Town all the way? H-Town all the way. Across Nine. the board. Okay. Okay. So what is your take on the D-Hop trade? Do you think that it has potential for it to play out for us? Or do you think it's kind of just O'Brien grasping at straws to keep his job? I think that there's potential there. Um, not that it's – I don't like the trade first off. But I think there's potential for it to work in the sense of, you know, addition by subtraction. Sometimes quarterbacks target – receivers too much and DeAndre's one of those guys who deserves targets so hopefully this will maybe open up a little more offense for Deshaun but that's the only potential silver lining out of this I, I think it's the worst trade in a long time but not so much because we got rid of a receiver because like I said there's ways to work around it and benefits but because we got crap for him like if we had gotten a first rounder or a second rounder Stephon Diggs got a first round pick you know what I mean? And he's not even <laughs> half of what he's Hopkins not even is. half of what Hopkins is. So I don't care about the fact that O'Brien wants to be a GM, but at least don't get snuffed on these like on these trades. Like just be a little better in that regard. For, so that's sure. fucking cool. Like O'Brien's making like total trailer park decisions, like me drinking a Jack and Coke out of a 
healthy drink <laughs> blender. That's my hey, level all- of uh, workout right about now. All day, man. That's what I'm hey, talking about. Football players stay in shape their way. I stay in shape my way. That's right. You stay in your mental shape, dude. You got to have the right mental I'm mood. just kidding. There's actually no Jack in that at all. It's just Coke. Over here drinking a milkshake IPA. I don't know who made this, but. Uh, well, hopefully it brings all the boys to the yard. <laughs> so, okay, Texans fan, um, okay. Astros fan. I'm not going to talk about the cheating thing that's nah. been beat to death. And it, we don't I talk think about we're, here. my take on it real quick, we're being martyred out, but it is what it is. Yeah. We it got is what caught. It is. Deal with it. Best way to get rid of it is to win. I completely agree with now, that. Who would you say is your favorite baseball player of all time? Not necessarily Astro, but favorite baseball player of all time. Uh, the one who stays in my mind the most is probably either just the Big Hurt or Jeff Bagwell. Because my brother was huge into Frank Thomas. That was his dude. And when I was growing up, like, Big I just... Hurt. Kind of now like watch peddling testosterone yeah. pill. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, now you notice it called. I forget what it's called, but they can sponsor the show. Why not? But uh, it's called Burr. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So uh, Frank Thomas for that reason, and then just Jeff Bagwell. You know, it's like those Houston names, like any of the Houston big names. Like I just you fall in love with as you are growing up, and you're like, oh, you just you're a kid, and you and you like them from that. That's probably the main uh, Astros and main baseball players that come to mind. Now, did you play sports as a kid growing up, or? Yeah, I played. I played uh, basketball starting when I was, you know, a kid in like YMCA or AYSO. I played soccer, which was AYSO. I played. Uh, Is that played like BYOB? Basketball. No, AYSO is. Uh, American Youth Soccer Organization or something. I don't know yeah. what it stands for. The BYOB but. is actually saved for the parents in the stands. That's right. Exactly. While their kids play. Getting tossed, but no. Uh, hey, man, it happens. It happens. Well, not, dude. I, I, I'll admit, I used to coach roller hockey. And that okay. was the one thing that I hated. I hated dealing with the parents more than I ever did dealing with a kid yeah. who wasn't yeah. good at the sport. I mean, the kid who wasn't good at the sport was at least out there trying. Dad yeah. sitting on his fat ass yelling at him to do better while he's got a Bud Light in his hand. Yeah. I'm like, dude, just put the burrito down on and you get your fat ass out of here and actually yeah. try this without having a heart attack. It makes you explain sad. to the kid that your dad's a loser and died. <laughs> Sorry, that was kind of that was man. a little bit of a that was a little bit of pent up rage there for right. A yeah, that was, that was wow. And we're back. So, um, basketball. Yeah, are you Rockets fan? <laughs> All day Rockets, man. All day. Okay, uh, what do you think about the small ball that they tried before they? I got think shot it was. A, I think it was a great. Mode. I, I honestly, Daryl Morey's he's one of my favorite GMs. Um, he's smart. He may make a wrong decision from time to time, like with the whole China tweet that he did, or ideally with the, some of the trade. He might have been ahead of the curve, just saying. Right, exactly right. But uh, with some of the uh, trades he's made too, kind of questionable, but I love that he came out and said we're changing Warriors when that was happening. He wasn't going to BS like all these other GMs. He was like, no, there's obviously we're trying to beat this team. And they wanted to have a small ball type of thing. And it kind of worked. And I think it still can possibly work. Um, I prefer to have, you know, a big who's a little more flexible than who we had with Clint Capella. So hopefully we eventually get a big no, who can. Capella is nothing but a pick and roll. That's all he right. gets. That's all he gets. All he gets. That's all and he is. I'm sorry. I hate to say it, but in today's world, in today's NBA game, small ball just doesn't work. And they proved it. You get away mm-hmm. with what? I'll say at most six weeks worth of wins. 
And then right. after that, they were getting stomped. And right. I mean, stomped. Mm-hmm. Like, that's proof right there. Now, every team has a can have a bad run. Don't get me wrong. Right. But to go from winning games right and left to you're lucky to maybe get close and maybe make a game out of it because you decided yeah. to go small ball is proof that small ball just doesn't work in modern NBA anymore. Yeah, no, I agree. There's, I feel like the only way to do it is to be more Warriors with it. You have to remember they had Steph and Clay, and even Draymond would hit them back then, but they were two three-point machines. So right. there was never going to be a die by the three. Like, they just lived by the three. Right. And it's then, just, it's just remember, like with uh, Will Chamberlain back in the day. Will Chamberlain that? was the first, like, really big man to be in the middle. Everybody else was maybe six foot tall. He was, what, <laughs> six six, six eight, something like that. And would just dominate because he's so much larger. Well, then what mm-hmm. happened? The game adopted or game adapted, started adopting the big man style. Mm-hmm. Well, then every team has a big man. What do you got to do? Let's pull him out to the point guards. That's where you start getting your John Stockton's, your your Jordans, your your guys that could run you from the perimeter. Mm-hmm. No, exactly. And but I, I think the problem with that from the Rockets' perspective is Harden. CP3 and Russell, all three of those guys on our team just aren't that guy. They aren't, and I'm not shitting well, on Harden. Uh, I don't think hard. CP3's on the Rockets. Not anymore, CP3's gone. But, I mean, going through these processes from our GM of saying, okay, let's try the Harden and CP version, not, neither of those guys were what Steph and Clay were or what a Jordan is. They aren't those right, but Steph and Clay like, also had good guys on the interior. If you For have sure. good guys on the interior, then they're just going to sit there and run it down the, your throat all game. 100%. But I also feel like part of it has to do with the points. Like, if we're just talking about small ball from that perspective, like, because the Warriors' small depth lineup was everything. They did have some bigs in there, but their bigs weren't anything important for their team. Draymond was their five in their best form, you know, and that was a small ball thing. But like I said, they had guys who could make three. Do you remember the finals when it was Houston and the Warriors? Right. And we missed, what, 30 fucking threes in a row? Like, that's what I mean in terms of, like, small ball potentially working. Like, you have to have guys who are snipers who are just going to hit them. yes. Well, small ball can't – the very idea of small ball is stay outside on on the perimeter, is use your sniper shooters. Mm -hmm. But you live and die by it. If you don't have it, then guess what? You're not going to win that night. You don't have the option to go interior to someone who's a little bit bigger, can muscle it down a little bit, mm-hmm. because all you have is your outside guys. Yep. How do you feel about Harden on our team? Harden? Yeah, do you think he's the guy who's who we can win with? Do you think he's yes. going to there? I think if we were to give them, honestly, give them a good to above average uh, center, and give them a good big guy in the middle, there's no stopping them. Without a doubt, there is no stopping them. Either one of those guys can run the floor and run the floor at an NBA Finals level at any given night. Any given night. No, I, I love Harden, but what I would say is the way, like, he has to have support. Like, he's not going to win it right. without he's, another. His style of play attributes more to the others around him being better. Right. Uh, very similar to Steve Nash. Steve Nash, yeah, mm-hmm. could hit the hit three all day long, but Steve Nash's best parts were making the people around him better. And for Harden, his version of that is just having support whenever he does pass the ball. He is a ball centric guy, but when he's passing it, we gotta have support. I think if we had a guy 
like a superstar level that wasn't Westbrook or in his position because we don't need this whole two point guard thing anymore. We tried it with CP. I, I think it, I think it worked honestly. I think like it. There's nights where I'm like, holy shit, you can't stop him. But truthfully, I would trade not for Drummond, but God, if we had the Celtics started this whole trend years ago, and now it's just become the norm. If you don't have a three-way team, you don't win. And I'm not talking one or two games. I'm talking finals. I'm talking full-on championships. You don't win unless Mm -hmm. you have someone that can counteract the small ball or someone that, vice versa, can account counteract big ball where they step out more and they're able to drain it. They're able to feed inside or they're able to bang it out inside and dominate teams. You can't do it without that anymore because not only are the size of guys so much different nowadays, like speed, strength, just straight physicality, they grow up trying to hit that three pointer. So now you have guys that are the height of a center that can step out and hit a three all day long. That's going to yeah. be the next next evolution of the game. Is going to be someone that can guard the basket, but drains threes all day. Yeah, it'll be like an Anthony Davis kind of type, where it's right. a dude who's huge. You know, he's your center, but he can hit threes nonstop as well. So, or like a Demarcus Cousins who can pull up and hit a three, but he's so big. So that's what I mean. If we had a guy like that, I feel like I would trade that for. I mean, obviously Davis, but even a Demarcus Cousins, I would trade him for Westbrook. Because it, I just feel like the two-headed snake of attack of two point guards who are both ball-centric, it's just, they don't so do it. That's what I'm saying, is that, that by bringing in that third guy, that takes away that two-person aspect. Oh, hell, hell yeah. If, I would take three all day. But it, I'm just saying, if, if we had to choose between the Westbrook, I would take a third guy all day. I agree. You need a three-team, you know, what do they call the big three. We would need that for sure. Right. But, like I said, Boston started it and proved that right. it can work easily. And everybody has been trying to maintain it since then. And mm-hmm. it's just the way the game has evolved. Honestly, there's nothing Wait. wrong with it. I mean, that shows the greatness of the game is that it kind of evolved. Right. So now back to back to the football thing. Have you always been like Houston team fan as far as like you were an Oilers fan as a kid? No. So I was Giants always, New York Giants growing up. I don't know why. I, I, it's because I'm from New Jersey. And for those who don't know, anyone listening to this podcast, the New York Jets and Giants both play in New Jersey. But uh, So if you're from New Jersey, you like one of those teams. But right. we're just the Giants. I, I grew up, when I really started paying attention to football, like actually like caring, was when they had Brandon Jacobs, Eli Manning. Uh, we're talking Plaxico Burris. Oh, um, good old Plaxico shooting dude, himself in the foot. The winning, the winning Giants teams, because I started paying attention around that time, like really paying attention. And because I was born in New Jersey, I was like, yeah. So I, I got into that team first. Love them. I was, that was my Madden team anytime, anytime I played Madden. And then uh, – <laughs> that, that was your real-life fantasy football team? Right. Dude, it was Giants all day. And uh, eventually, I don't know when, but it, just, it wasn't Oilers. I was never an Oilers dude. But once we got the Texans, I started paying more attention kind of here and there. Eventually, you know, fell in love with the Texans around the Matt Schaub era. I was like already hooked on the Texans. So that's my transition. So what's your favorite like sports memory? Be it from playing or watching or whatever. Like what's your what's that one moment that you can always clearly remember in sports? Yeah. OJ runaway thing doesn't count. Yeah, no, 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 no terrible shit. Uh, dude, as I mean, a Texas Kareem's, fan, Kareem Hunt's kick from 4D. I mean, 
my 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 number one memory and i think it's because i hated this player is when andre johnson fought Cortland finnegan that is my number one memory because i always hated him because he was so good he was a pest he knew how to be that guy he's like patrick beverly but as a freaking corner and he just knows how to just not just always every time you walk like god he's just picking at your dude and they end up always fighting because he always causes a fight and Andre just went off on him. And you know Andre Johnson's demeanor is not that guy. Like, yeah, of course he'll fight if he has to, and he did. But he, you're going to tell by the way he talks that, like, he's not a, an aggressive asshole or anything. But Corlin Finnegan just drove him there, dude. And that There's a photo of him just coming down that freezes, and he just went in. And I was like, yes, finally. And I think it's because I hated him at that moment. Right, because everybody had seen it time and time again. That it so, was like, oh, uh, come on. Stop a lot of my favorites are – Oh my god, dude! A lot of my favorites are, are Andre Johnson. It's him doing that in the Arizona game against the Cardinals, where he caught a pass going in for a touchdown, but he was maybe ten yards out, knocked off of three dudes, turns around and goes in. So like those kind of moments for me are, it's always like a Texans thing for some reason. I'm, I'm a big football fan. That's my number one. Um, now you, I'm, I know you play fantasy football then. All day, baby. All day. I don't play that. Okay, what's your record? What's your record on it? I'd have to pull it up, but it's not great. It's not bad. <laughs> it's like the road. Are we talking like not great, like you meet a hot chick who has a club foot? Or are we talking like not great, like you really want me to change the subject right now? Oh, no. Hot, hot chick, club foot all day. Okay. That's, it's okay. Not... So there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Oh, dude. No, like, uh, you're on, are you on Yahoo for your? Yes. Sports? Yeah. So you know how it gives you like platinum. What are the levels? I'm one level down from the top. If, if it's gold and silver, I think it's gold, silver, bronze. Yeah, but you've registered gold. for like three leagues, so it really doesn't help. Okay. So I've played eight teams a year for like the last, you know, five or six years. I've had like eight fantasy teams every year. And that's been my downfall because I pay too much attention to all my different teams. And it's just it's so hard to keep them all up. So I'll lose a few. But the last few years, I've turned that, turned that around. So I'm right underneath the top right underneath gold and yahoo so i'm not shit but it could be better You're that's not why I, shit but it could be better what? yeah it it's interesting uh i've never played in your leagues i've always wanted to get in one of y'all's leagues but uh we might make that happen this year. I'm, I'm just saying we have some interesting ones i mean okay i can't do the suicide leagues i've always hated the idea that i can't trade throughout uh, the year we might be doing away with that but that's all that's yeah. for a whole nother i've got a whole fantasy football episode planned here in a few weeks yeah um, so, what are like some of your guilty pleasures in life? Like, do you enjoy strippers? Do you have a thing for watching random animals shit? I don't know. Like, <laughs> what kind of hobbies are you into, man? Oh, dude, I had a friend who had a he had a shitting problem, dude. Let's just say at his school they called him the shit bandit, so that made me laugh. But uh, like, he would like do the worst porn version of Home Alone dude. ever. Right. He would do weird things with poop. Let's just put it like that. But uh like sculpt it? Like <laughs> no, like paint the bathroom at your school and shit in your shit. Or weird things okay, like that. I'm like, okay, that uh, I mean if it's medical reasons, okay, hey, it happens. No, no medical at all. He just, uh, just I don't weird. think you've ever met him before. I don't, I don't think you've met him before, but he's yeah, let's just say he's uh he's a character. But uh that's a very said, polite way of saying he's a fucking sociopath. No, he's my boy, man. I've known him for a long time, but he's a weird guy in that regard. Hey, even Ted Bundy had friends. That's right. Yeah, I'm gonna call him Ted Bundy. I'm gonna call him that for this. So you're Ted Bundy. 
But uh, no, dude. So uh, when you said guilty pleasures in my mind, I'm like, what anime? Like I, I love anime. Like, well, but, okay, uh, like if that's like something that's not necessarily a whole lot like, of people know. I don't like, are you, you, like, I don't, are you, you know. into anime? Does We're it have anime. to be like? Love actual anime. real anime or are we talking like anime porn or no, like anime like old school then uh, yes how, so you've been into that for a while dude dragon ball z growing up my whole life dude that's that's anime got me started with or i now, got why started. do you think they've never been able to do a high budget live action movie for that man i will tell you i don't understand it started with i think the matrix two or three when he was flying around and i was like okay as soon as i saw that because my mind is so dragon ball z focused as soon as i saw them do that i was like we can now make a dragon ball z and there was a movie that came out i don't know if you remember this movie god so the movie was shot like in a home camera style the whole time and it was these friends who like they found superpowers somewhere oh, and uh, super eight not super eight not but super eight. um no no not super eight that was like a monster um, oh, um kind of like the craft but it was superpowers but it was superpowers, and one of them got was evil. He was like he went evil, but then they had to fight him, and like he was able to like they were able. Yeah, of to course, the little goth. Could, yeah, the little goth white guy. Yes, exactly. And he could fly around and like shoot powers, and I was like, "This is Dragon Ball Z. This is it. It was already done." So I I, I don't know why they don't do this. They I never watched the Dragon Ball movie they made. I saw the preview, and I was like, "No, that's that's a nightmare." But right, I don't know. Like it was, it they was could do it now. Shit. <laughs> like be honest, just, it was shit. I'm sure it was. I never watched it. I was like, I'm not watching this. It looks like it's going to suck. But that's what I mean. Like that, if we could take that same look from that movie where I was like, oh, this is it. They're flying around. It looks great. They're throwing and shooting shit. Like, come on. So that would be it. I, and I think one day they probably will do a Dragon Ball Z movie. That, that's like your big movie wish is one day they make a, oh. a good budget one. No, my big movie wish would be Stephen King's The Dark Tower. They ruined that already once, so I'm like, please now just make a TV show. That's that's deserving. I'm, I'm just sh- man. I want a spaceball sequel. It's time. <laughs> it's time, man. Either uh, that or like a really good budget, like He-Man movie. I'm an '80s kid, okay. So I grew up with all that stuff, and that's the one thing that I'm just like, man, why can't they do this right? They tried with GI Joe. It was miserable. The yeah, Transformers yeah. got beat into the ground. Yeah. Transformers started great though. It started off like, whoa, this is cool. And now we're on Transformers like seven or something, and it's yeah. like well, shit, you know. At a certain point, it's like, okay, come on, guys, you you got to try something else. Yeah, yeah. Now, completely. so are anime movies like your only favorite type of movies? Like, what's your favorite movie of all time? Oh, dude. Um I can't pick a favorite, but I can give you some ones I love. It's too hard to do those things on the spot. But you got to give me like time for my all time. I have to analyze oh, okay, it. Okay, so like, what's your favorite? Uh, what's that one movie that you can just watch over and over? Right, right. Um, God, until recently, it was kind of Monte Cristo was up there, but I can't watch that movie anymore. I just got done dating a girl that who's was like so in love with that movie. She had like three or four tattoos from that movie, and she ended up being a nightmare. So I can't enjoy Nothing that. Like movie a stripper anymore. that's educated. Yeah, right. No, she was far from from those things. She was educated, but far from a stripper. But uh, no, they all so I, are at some point if you convince right. them. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Not as bad is. But uh, Count of Monte Cristo was up there. I love that movie. The Matrix is my all-time probably favorite. If I had to pick, it would be The Matrix. That's right. like that movie. Just it gets me. That's my movie. Um, 
Now, do you think that something like that could happen? Like, there's all kinds of conspiracy theories out there going around about all kinds of different subjects. Do you think that's one? Like, I heard that humanity actually died off in 2012, and we're in something like the Matrix. Hmm. I don't think that it's possible because of the idea of how vast and intense it would be. And for it to start in 2012 wouldn't make sense because I'm like, we'd have to all be in some kind of pod world where they're, you know, sucking our our brain juice and turning, making us think whatever they want us to think. And if it started that recently, it's like, how do we get to this one point? Like, where was it? Where was the whole? It wasn't necessarily like the Matrix. It was uh, something along the lines of the world actually died in 2012 and like the universe ended and that's why everything seems to be speeding up faster and faster and faster is we're running out Hmm. i don't know man these are the same people that sit there and go yeah the earth is flat but every single person on round earth (laughs) yeah like the only the only like thing i i liked conspiracy wise was one i heard that i mean i i don't believe it but it was like the idea that aliens had come down and planted us here and we're like an experiment, if you will. And we're here, this whole experiment of time across time has been like aliens, you know, doing this more or less, you know, cause you like all these UFO sightings, people say, no, a slice of pizza that got stuck under your bed in college that you never knew about (laughs) until you moved. And then when you moved, it's kind of like fuzzy and talking to you. Yeah. That's humanity. I could kind of get that. We're we're the we're the we're the mold on good organic things. We're petri dish to these guys. Like the idea that you know we're some experiment kind of makes sense because it was one of those conspiracies talking about how like they'd see technology that was too far advanced in the history, you know, and like how did someone create? How did someone get a spark of an idea to create whether it be electricity to the iPhone, you know, like? And they would say like aliens had something to do with you know giving them a blueprint in some kind of way to think this way. I don't know. I don't believe it, but the idea at least was interesting. Well, there's been all kinds of theories that like angels and, and ancient gods and all that were actually aliens. Right. Right. They realized that something went wrong or whatnot and they just didn't come back for whatever reason. Right. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, who knows? We don't really know. And I personally think that like, you don't really hear about them coming down and like hanging out and chilling with us and being nice about it. It's always yeah. they grab you, they stick something up your butthole, and yeah. they leave you next to a bar smelling like alcohol so nobody ever fucking believes you. <laughs> and now I can't get a good job because all of a sudden I'm labeled crazy. I mean, they can't get a good job because all of a sudden yeah. they're labeled crazy. So what happened? You got an alien probe, alien probe up the butt, man? Oh, no, 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 no. I think they exist. I just think that they're too far away for either of our cultures to be able to cross that void. It's space. It deals in numbers that it's hard for the human brain to even comprehend. When you're Mm. talking about the closest objects are still millions of miles away. Yeah. Like, okay, we should be focused more here instead of out there. If out there happens, there's nothing we can do about it anyway. They have the technology, obviously. If they come here, we're screwed. Right. We are screwed. All of a sudden, we should just go, yep, all right, they're in charge. Yeah. No, it's the idea of like Star Trek, which is like once you figure out how to do hyperspeed, you're invited into the intergalactic whatever. Like once you prove that you're advanced enough, 
then they'll accept you into this universe of you know this whole alien world where all these creatures exist so it's like there, there's an idea of that if aliens did exist maybe they are waiting for for us to step our game up before because they would just run right through us if it were right like they're flying flying by going no fuck that don't stop there uh-uh yeah <laughs> they do weird <laughs> shit man yeah that you place ever seen shit. this thing that they have called the internet fuck that yeah, dude. No, think about how weird we'd look to other people who don't understand what that is. So people go and just talk shit to each other all day for no reason. Yes, it's called the internet. Yes, it's called social media. <laughs> yeah, social media. Okay, so we got a few more minutes here, and then we're going to wrap it up, buddy. Um, I'm going to shoot some rapid-fire questions at you. One I do have to ask is one that one of my previous guests uh, asked, and okay. I thought was just a great question. Zombie apocalypse happens today. What's the first thing you're looking for? Guns. Why? Because I don't have any. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I'm not a. I'm not a gun guy. So that's the first thing I would think is shit. It's time to get some serious weapons in this piece. Okay. So, that, so like, it's the shit's going off. Like, there's nothing we can do to stop it. It's already past the stage of calling in army and all that stuff. People right. start. Your first zombies. priority is get guns. And, and these are zombies I'm, that we know, right? These are the zombies from TV that we see that need to be shot in the head. Right. Or, or the brain needs to be destroyed. We'll leave yeah, it that. I'm definitely going for guns. Yeah, I'm going straight to the pawn shop, straight to the local gun store. I'm saying, hey, let me let me get some some guns, please. And just loading up and loading up, dude. trying to like all the same down or like take off. Hunker I'm hunkered down all day, but not here. I'm hunkered down in a location that's away from other people. I'm I'm down to go out to some land. Give me, let's find find someone. I have friends who have land. I'd call one and be like, bro. You're away from everybody. I'm coming to you. Getting my family. I'm getting a gun. I'll be there shortly. It'd be that kind of thing for sure. Right, right. Okay, here, so uh, like I said, random questions for the last couple of minutes here. Chocolate uh, or vanilla? Vanilla. Uh, what was the other one that we came up with? Uh, fishing, saltwater or freshwater? <laughs> Neither. I don't fish. <laughs> okay, stuck on an island. What's the one thing that you want? iPhone. Okay, fair enough. Uh, favorite favorite food as a kid? Pizza. Favorite food as an adult? Pizza. Still pizza. No, All right, fair food, enough, man. Favorite food, honestly, is probably chicken marinara. Okay, nice. I mean, uh, uh, one place in the world that you want to go that you haven't been? Japan. Favorite type of porn? <laughs> I'm gonna be vanilla as fuck and lie because <laughs> I can't say the answer here. Because if someone looked up, they'd be like, "Damn, okay." Um, I'm, we're just gonna go with uh, I don't know, Bang Bus, which I haven't watched in years. But <laughs> picking the classics, picking the classics. Classic, uh, that's awesome. Butter? You yeah. remember <laughs> That's awesome. Man, Guy, thank you so much for being a guest. I no, greatly no. appreciate it, man. Good luck to DJU. Uh, we're going to get your business partner in here soon if he ever returns phone calls. Right, yeah, he's hard to get. I actually uh, have to call him to be called during this, so I'll, I'll give him to him to hop on. Dude, thank you sure. so much for taking time out of your day, man. I greatly appreciate it. Love you, man. A little bit strange podcast. My boy Guy on. Y'all take it easy. We'll see you next time around. Woo! Support a little bit strange. Thank you.